listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And it's time right now for the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there the Yellow Balloon from 1967 with Junk Maker Shop featuring Don Grady from My Three Sons on Drums. Today on the Nardwarta Human Serviette Radio Show, interviews with Franz Ferdinand and from Pittsburgh, Girl Talk. Coming up right now, Los Yetis from Colombia and their song, Love. Los Yetis represent a very special case within the 60s rock scene in Colombia. Teenage pop idols associated with nadism, a Colombian intellectual movement from the late 50s. They are the only commercially successful band outside the capital city, Bogota, and have managed to remain in the musical mind 
of the nation of Colombia. Not British Colombia, but Colombia, South America. Here are Lost Yetis with Love from 1966. And then Franz Ferdinand. Oh, come on. <laughs> I'm Alex from Franz Ferdinand. Alex, and who else is in Franz Ferdinand? I have Paul here. Hi. And who's missing Paul? Uh, Bob Hardy's missing. And? Uh, and uh, Nick, Nick McCarthy, who's in the other room playing the organ right now. In Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. That's right. <laughs> at JCDC Studios. The very one, yeah. Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. A stop on the tour, Alex. Yeah, that's right. We've been doing a few Canadian uh, gigs so far. And you're also going to Russia. I see that you're playing St. Petersburg on Halloween. Oh, yeah, I didn't know it was Halloween, right? I Halloween in St. Petersburg. What's that going to be like? I don't know. We once played Lille in, uh, on Halloween and we dressed up and I don't think they really do Halloween in France because they just kind of looked at us like, why are they, is this part of the show? Why, why have they got fake blood all over them? But St. Petersburg Halloween, that is incredible. It's got to be good, I'm sure, yeah. So here we are in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Yeah. And we do not have Bob here. No, 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 no. And I've seen footage, some backstage footage of Franz Ferdinand, where all you guys have your shirts off. <laughs> really? <laughs> right, right. Except 
except Bob. Oh yeah, Bob never takes his shirt. Bob never takes his shirt off. No. But it seems, but it seems like, from what I can deduce, he has his fans. What exactly was this thing right here? Uh, I don't know. What, 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 I can't make it out. This was something that was found outside the Montreal gig. Wanted Bob Hardy. Uh, he's, he's a wanted man, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, a lot of people want him. He's got his own fan club. He doesn't have to take off his shirt to get fans. No, no, no. He definitely doesn't. Uh, Bob's very popular with a, a certain type of girl. And what type of girl is that, Paul? A girl with a um, broadband connection. <laughs> <laughs> High-speed internet. Yeah. Now, speaking of the 80s, you also have a manager, CERN. Hi, CERN Canning, yeah, yeah. And his story, Alex, that he told that I can't quite remember, something about taking you to meet Morrissey? Oh, yeah, we did meet, meet Morrissey. Actually, CERN's got quite a connection with the 80s. He's, it was him that put together the, the C86 compilation. Uh, he got all those bands together and stuff. Uh, put, on, put on the Stone Roses for the first time in London as well, didn't he? Yeah. So he took you to see Morrissey, and it was some sort of interesting thing about you visiting Morrissey with CERN, wasn't there? I remember going down some narrow hallway. I, oh, I, I don't remember. I, I remember I, we, we played a gig with Morrissey. Uh, maybe that's what, what you're thinking of. Um, we, we, had to, we interviewed him for the NME as well. I remember that. Oh, right, yeah. And, and we played a gig with him after that, yeah. And then you got to meet him, and you had to go down a narrow hallway or something. There was some incredible story, but I can't remember. The, the, there were various levels of security to kind of get closer and closer to the inner sanctum. Because it was birthdays, oh, wasn't it? it was his yeah. 50th birthday or 45th, 50th birthday. How old is he now? He's, I don't know. I'm, let's say 45. Let's be generous. Uh, uh, it, was, it was his birthday and, uh, yeah, we got to say happy birthday, Morrissey. Uh, when, we, when we interviewed him, Nick asked him if, um, he said, there's a lot of uh, like kind of Arabic scales in your songs. Do you like Arabic singers? And he, and he went, no. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys see the specials at all? The specials, the reunited specials. I did. I, I saw them. I, we saw them at Glastonbury, but I saw them a couple of days earlier at the Hundred Club in London, and that was amazing. Like, uh, as I said, when I was a wee guy, like they, they were the first one, of the first bands I got totally obsessed with, and uh, it was pretty amazing. I mean, those guys are all in their fifties as well now, but they were fantastic. Like, are they coming over here? Are they? No, I don't know if they are. Maybe they are. Maybe you know something I don't know. But I'm just so excited. I, I know. I, I, what was Terry Hall's really good between song banter? Oh, something about a band. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, people, keep, people kept on asking for requests, like asking for songs and things. We went, suppose we've got a bag of crisps as well. <laughs> Franz Ferdinand, Green Day. Yeah, yeah, we did some dates with Green Day, yeah, yeah. The pyro went off behind you, Paul. They were playing jokes on you? Yeah, I think it was pyro. It was like an air cannon. It just goes, and it's like louder than, than, than anything. And they were warming up for Green Day. Oh, we're playing for, yeah, we're playing, playing for them. I, apparently, they, they were impressed because we were the only band that they did it to that didn't flinch and kept on playing. Because that must have been pretty scary, though, like an air cannon going on behind you. It's really like the first time I, I, I did, didn't know whether we should stop. I thought the PA had blown yeah, or something like that. Oh, no, fuck the PA again, but... Oh, well. That Green Day tour seems really interesting. Like, Billy Joe pulls kids up on stage? Yeah, yeah, qu quite a few times. There's a lot of audience participation. And the kids go up on stage and then they play guitar. Yeah, play guitar, they sing as well. But uh, I hear that if the kids aren't good, that the guitar tech comes over and takes the kids. Did you see kids getting taken away? I, I didn't see that, no. no. It, it, I was amazed. I, I did see it a couple of times. Like, uh, yeah, and, and kids at Green Day gigs can, can play. They frisk the kids before they come up on stage. <laughs> no, they didn't, they didn't. Uh, 
Um, but uh, yeah, there was definitely a, a lot of people going up, and there was he had like a toddler up on stage at one point as well, didn't he? He played in San Antonio, and he did, he did this thing where they play like kind of riffs from metal songs, and he's gone, oh, I could really go some Pantera. Does anybody know how to play Pantera? And he pulled this guy at the stage, started playing like Cowboys from Hell, and I was like, that's a plant, but apparently it wasn't. I understand actually that they have a set for older people, like for the moms, like they play the Metallica and shout and stuff like that, don't they? Have an oldie section? Yeah, yeah, there's a bit of a shout in it, yeah, that's right, yeah. They have a set for the parents. <laughs> Maybe that's the medley at the end, yeah. Didn't Billy Joe pull his mom up on stage at one of the shows you were at? Yeah, he did, he did, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the mom had a giant squirt gun. Uh, yeah, well, there's a lot of squirt gun guns involved in the set, yeah. And you yourself have been squirted, haven't you, Alex? I saw you at the Roskilde Festival. You got squirted and called a guy a wido. What's a wido? <laughs> what was that? You really got mad. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. You're doing an interview and some guy squirted you, and then you go, "What is a wido?" First off, I, 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 well, I, I, I remember it happening. I've never seen the interview, but I remember it happening. Well, a wido is just someone who's been a bit wide. It's some Scottish term, isn't it? I guess so. Yeah, like a smart ass or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but I, yeah, I think it is like like somebody with a squirt gun. Like, I'll squirt that guy because he can't do anything about it because he's doing it. You left the interview. It wasn't like after it was over. You got up and you walked right over to the guy and then you yeah, sat down and said, "What a wido!" Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You were on fire. That was amazing, Alex. Oh, yeah. Got- Does Alex often get on fire? Hey, hey, Alex is on fire. Every night, this fire, is this fire, <laughs> is this fire still in the set list? Uh, it, it, yeah, it is. It's out of control. I was looking at the Muse board. You know the band Muse? Yeah, I'm aware of the one. I was looking at their message board. Okay. And on the Muse message board. Yes, I was on the Muse. Take a drink from now on. <laughs> yeah. I was on the Muse message board, and I saw somebody called Calf, and they had posted, quote, a typical Franz Ferdinand interview. In other words, this was their interpretation of how a Franz Ferdinand interview would go. It would go something like, Alex, blah, 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 sexual metaphor. Alex, blah, 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 hedonism. Alex, blah, 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 dance record. Alex, no speaking. Bob, Nick, or Paul, yeah. Now, I was wondering, <laughs> sexual metaphor. I don't know what they're talking about. I've never heard any sex in Franz Ferdinand. No, 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 that's all. I wouldn't talk about anything dirty like that. However, I was listening to another interview you did where you talked about the taste and comparing it ex-girlfriends to chewing on bag of pennies. Oh, right, right. What was that about? Chewing on the bag of pennies. No, that, that wasn't my metaphor. That was an ex-girlfriend's metaphor who was... Um, well, <laughs> uh, w- when we were in Buenos Aires last time, we uh, went to a restaurant that served uh, bull's testicles, and uh, Parker, our sound engineer, and I decided to try them, see what they tasted like, and uh, they arrive on the plate, and then they're not as big as you'd imagine them to be, you kind of expect a bull's ball to be about that size or something like that, but it's kind of not much bigger than your own, really, it's about that size, and uh, you kind of cut into it, and it smells... I like spunk, really, you know, just a big spunky smell coming off a testicle. And and so I bit into it, and um, and as soon as I started chewing it, I just came came back, and my memory came back with this uh, metaphor that an ex-girlfriend had used to describe the, the aftertaste of oral sex as being like chewing on a bag of green pennies. <laughs> Speaking of food, Alex, here we are in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. 
Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And Paul, you're on a burger quest, aren't you? Uh, I, yeah, I think I'm at. A you love the hamburgers, don't you? I do. Yeah, yeah. I've... And what I was wondering is, Alex, can you explain to Paul the Skookum Chief hamburger that's from Vancouver, which I don't think Paul will get a chance to be able to taste? What is Paul missing? Well, I was telling you about that earlier. You know, the tomahawk. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's uh, the, the tomahawk is a is a restaurant in Vancouver, British Columbia. Um, uh, which serves the Skookum Chief, which is maybe the, the tallest hamburger ever created. Uh, in fact, is, is, is that not the Everything Burger? Which one's the, what's the Everything Burger? Is that the Skookum Chief? It's called the Punch Buggy Deluxe, and that's what the Cribs had, where you add chicken and fish to it. You add chicken and fish to what, Alex? I'm just quizzing you here on the Tomahawk Skookum Chief. The, the, the Skookum Chief. Well, it's, it's a burger that's stacked up, and it has, and it has a really big um, spike in the middle of it. If you're not careful when you eat it, it goes up your nose. But, uh, yeah. Yes, because you're so hungry. You remember that. That's right. It's the breakfast. You have the bacon and egg. For lunch, you have the meat and the hot dog. And then for dinner, there's cheese and fish and all the sort of things that are in it. Wow. Well, all in the same burger? Yeah, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, the idea is that you don't eat anything else. You just eat that. All, yeah, yeah. And then that's you for the day. How much weight have you gained? How much weight have I gained? Uh, since what? Since since when? I was, since when? I was, since I was a child? No, since you've been doing this burger quest. Um, oh no! no well, uh, usually I'll only eat like a burger a day, so that'll be like that'll be the only thing I eat. So and I burn it off in the evening anyway. How much total? Have you eaten? How many burgers have you eaten? Oh, I don't know, hundreds probably in my so life. No weight gained. Not really. No, it's it's beer that that that, that does it. You know. <laughs> Airlines that you guys have flown. Croatian Airlines, what's that like? There's good food there. Uh, I can't remember. What was it? Just dreadful. I, I believe I, I, uh, I tweeted about it. <laughs> have you flown some no-name airlines, like some weird airlines? I, I remember like, last time I went to Russia, actually, we, we flew the internal uh, Aeroflot flights, and they were very old planes, you know, like they, they, they were planes, I'd guess, from the late 60s, early 70s that hadn't had the decor changed at all. I mean, great kind of kitsch factor, but awful sort of nerve factor. You feel it's going to fall from the sky any moment, but fortunately it didn't. For merchandise and stuff, you know, the raconteurs had a stylophone. Remember the first time I talked to you guys, oh. I produced a stylophone? Right, yeah. The raconteurs have their own stylophone. Oh, did they? Their own merchandise. Have you got anything like that? Like there's a Bill Wyman metal detector. Oh. <laughs> so you can find treasures on the beach. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, yeah, that, that. So, have you got anything close to that? I mean, Franz Ferdinand, you should be able to get something like that. You know, Bill Wyman metal detector. Bill Wyman jailbait detector. <laughs> Baboo! <laughs> Baboo. Anything close to that? What's the neatest Franz Ferdinand merch item? Is there any? Um, Paul? Um, no, uh, coasters? Oh, yeah, coasters. Yeah, they're good, they're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're very popular, aren't they, the coasters? Yeah. Yeah. For Canadian Connections, winding up here, Franz Ferdinand, Shout Out 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 is a band, and I think you have a guy from Shout Out Out helping with monitor mix. A Mike. Oh, Mike. Oh, Mike Noga, yeah, yeah, yeah. We were hanging out with him last night. Actually. Does he have a real Canadian connection? Yeah, yeah, he was, he was a real Canadian on tour with us. It's Mike Noga's fault I feel so dreadful today because he was giving me Jägermeister all night and it's, it's never a good idea. And also, here you are at JCDC Studios doing some recording. I gave you a tape of some Canadian band. That's right. Um, uh, yeah, we're, we're recording a Pointed Stick song. You love the Pointed Stick? I do, I do. We're, we're recording Real Thing, which is a brilliant song. In fact, I've recorded in the studio before. It's the band Immaculate Machine. Yeah, that's right, yeah. We're kind of doing a little record here, aren't we, for recording? We're really hurrying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, how quickly are we doing this recording? Uh, it was really quickly. We did, like, three takes. We did the basic yeah. tracking. And yeah, and uh, Nick's putting the organ on just now. I think we'll get it all done within four hours, maybe. Yeah. 
This is pretty good, isn't it? Yeah, I'm going to give you a present before you're finished. We have right here, I wish it could be the completed version, but I guess things can't go that quick these days. Here for you is the original Pointed Sticks Real Thing 7. Amazing. That's brilliant. This is the Pointed Sticks Real Thing. Oh, actually, that's really... That's really cool. Which Franz Ferdinand are recording. What would you say the Pointed Sticks sound is for people that don't know? Um, I, I don't know. To, to me, it... it I think the organ's quite a kind of like an important part of the sound. It sounds really melancholic. It reminds me a little bit of I don't know. It, it's got a, a touch of a what kind of nugget sort of sound about it, but it sounds a little bit like the Mercedian, something like that, or a wee bit like the Spiral Carpets to me as well. Like, but. 15 years before them, yeah. So here we have the 7 inch, the real thing by the pointed sticks, someday a 7 inch by Franz Ferdinand doing the yeah. pointed sticks. So, what is the chances of your version of the pointed stick song ending up in an iPod commercial? How hard is it to get into an iPod commercial? I, I don't know how that stuff happens, but. So aren't you guys in like some iPod commercial? Aren't you on some like iPod advertisement? Um, yeah, yeah, I think it is an iPod, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I think No Your Girls is on one. Yeah. Um, yeah, and we said, sure. So hopefully it'll happen with the pointed sticks. Yeah, it would be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Anything else you want to add to the people out there at all, Franz Ferdinand? Um, just, uh... Do, 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 do. Uh, almost, Paul! Almost! No, you can't leave! You can't finish it like that! Uh, uh, Paul! Do, do, do the loot, do! Do, do! You're still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, K.
Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there, Franz Ferdinand with the home demo of Teller Tonight. And before that, an interview with Franz Ferdinand. Coming up, an interview with Greg Gillis, Girl Talk from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. A gentleman who does quite a few samples, but someone who has not sampled one of the greatest bands ever from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the Swamp Rats. Yes, the Black Lips even have sampled the Swamp Rats, and they sampled the song I'm Going Home. So here are the Swamp Rats with I'm Going Home, and then... An interview with, from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Girl Talk, Greg Gillis on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show.
Who are you? My name is Greg Gillis. Girl Talk. Girl Talk. Girl Talk, welcome to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Thank you for having me here. And Greg, thank you for sampling the new shoes. Oh, you like them. From Portland. What can you tell the people about the new shoes from Portland? You're giving them some props. New shoes, that's kind of like a classic jam, you know. I can't go for that. Um, it's the bass tone in it is so... It sounds like a human being singing bass notes coming out of their mouth. It's just beautiful. It's a, um, Yeah, it's a song I've always loved, the production value. It's just, you know, it's a pop gem. And here you are in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. How did last night go? I understand somebody threw something at you. Or is that unusual? Uh, yeah, it's unusual. You know, stuff is thrown around. We throw confetti and toilet paper. So, um, you know, if they throw that, it's cool. Someone launched something. I don't know what it was. I think uh, people, the rumor was like a big plastic cup that was like half a pound. But someone gunned it and it hit me right in my forehead. And uh, it was an amazing shot wherever it came from. It's like, you know, it was smack dab in the middle of my head. Um, and then blood started kind of coming down over my face. So that was, uh, I've bled during shows, but never like that. So that was kind of my, uh, you know, more hardcore sort of moment. Vancouver brought it out of me. How do you convince the crowd that it's not part of the act? Um, I don't think, you know, I don't think I can convince them. I think I couldn't tell whether the front row thought it was like a blood capsule or whether they were into it or scared. It was a hard thing to gauge. Um, I felt like the front row, I got very fired up. You know what I mean? There was like blood trickling on my computer. I've never seen that. And I think the front row was kind of, uh, you know, spooked out, but to the point where like we have to enjoy this because he's bleeding for us right now. So how did the evening end? It began with blood. How did it end, Greg? It ended, uh, you know, the blood stopped. Um, I sweated it out, cleaned it off. There was a bunch of bloody rags sitting around. And uh, the evening for me ended at some reggae night in, like, a club that was, like, uh, free to get into. And it was, uh, they were selling lots of nice juices, and it was about 5 a.m. The evening actually ended at Subway at 5 a.m., 24 hours, right down the street from uh, the Commodore. It's, I don't know what road it's on, but somewhere around here. But that's uh, the last thing I did. Is that how it usually ends at Subway at 5 a.m.? It was rare, actually. I don't see. That was one of the first 24-hour Subways I've ever seen. So it usually ends with me. Doritos is kind of usually my, the last thing that happens to me in my mouth after a show. But uh, So Subway was like a miracle. Greg, you have something in common with Ramstein. Oh, yeah? I, uh, they probably have bled on stage a few times, and uh, I know they love pyro. I love pyro. Um, they're getting closer. They're German. I'm not. Um, I don't know. You know, I, uh, I feel like we're both, they're a bit more built than I am. But I feel You like both ride rafts. Oh, <laughs> excellent. Which, which rafts do I ride? Didn't you ride a raft oh. at Lollapalooza? I didn't know. Do they do it into the crowd? Yes, in the crowd. Uh, I heard uh, someone else has done it recently, too. Oh, Oblog the Third does it, too. Um, of Montreal has done it at some festivals this summer. I think some of their extras have ridden rafts. I didn't know Rammstein did, but I do. I've watched their live DVD, like from some show in an arena in Germany from like five years ago. And uh, they're actually like my best friend in Pittsburgh, Richard Saprito, that's in his top three favorite bands. Um, so I watched it with him, and it, it was quite a spectacle, a very uh, inspirational performance. So your raft, was it on stage, the raft, or somebody in the crowd brought a raft? Did you actually buy a raft to go out in the crowd? Um, the full story was there was going to be a much more kind of convoluted ending to a show where I was going to try to ride a raft and slam dunk a ball into a hoop when we could get a crowd applause meter above a certain level. But uh, None of that came together, but the raft idea, someone who works for my booking agency booked or bought the raft just in case it was going to happen, and it didn't happen. Um, so it was kind of like just blow it up, 
and we'll see what happens. So they blew the raft up, and then at the end of the show, we brought it out, and it was just, uh, yeah, it was kind of loosely planned, but not really planned what was going to happen, but I kind of just was taken into the middle of the crowd and uh, actually landed at the sound booth where my good friend of mine, John Shanky, was working sound, and I was able to kind of fade my set out and end it from there. Will Journey ever die, Greg, of Girl Talk? I, uh, I'm very, you know, I think they were built to last. You know, I, I feel like that's what Journey was about. They made songs that were supposed to be timeless and supposed to be made for um, arenas, and that's what they are. You know, they're the ultimate kind of sing-along songs, and, uh, you know, it, it, they're a band, you know, maybe 10 or 15 years. Any band you can make fun of, I'm not into that, but, you know, they're a band that some people maybe weren't feeling so much, but it has, I mean, they have triumphed above any haters you know the songs keep living on and um you know don't stop believing is still a staple in bars and on tv shows and everything so i feel like that band um you know they'll see i'm curious you know where it will pan out how many other bands from the 80s will live on in 25 or 50 years and i feel like journey is going to be at you know the top of that list Greg, what is bad music? Um, I don't think there is such a thing. You know, bad music, I don't believe in... I mean, you're not afraid to sample Papa Roach, are you? No, no. At Last Resort was a great video. I thought it was sick. It was kind of like the uh, wrestling ring sort of thing. I don't know how they filmed it, actually, but it was pretty intense. Um, that guy Kobe had some... Uh, I think that's his name. Some like crazy uh, emotional problems. No, but I, I feel like uh, to someone, Papa Roach is all that matters, and like to someone, Yola Tango is all that matters, and maybe to those people, Yola Tango is for nerds or Papa Roach is for jocks or whatever. You know, it's all these stereotypes, and it doesn't really matter. It's all for someone, and nothing's right or wrong. And uh, you know, a lot of times we come up with opinions on what's good or bad, and then all of a sudden, a hundred. You know, years down the road, we have new opinions on that. So I can't really invest too much in like what people consider traditionally good or bad because it's bound to change. When I first heard your music, Greg, I was mad. Oh, why, why was that? I walked into Red Cat Records in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and I was hearing your disc being played by the record store employee. Does that happen often? Um, a little bit. You know, I, I, uh, you know sometimes I've, I've been in a store where I've heard it. It was Dave Cowens from Red Cat Records. So I walked in there. I'm like, what the hell? How does he get away with this? Negative Land got jacked for doing this. How does Greg get away with this? not fair. I know. I mean, I feel bad. I love Negative Land. And I, uh, you know, they set the groundwork. You know, I feel like if it wasn't for people like Negative Land getting jacked, then, uh, you know. How jacked did they get? Can you tell the people about Bono and Negative Land? Like, they really got jacked. They took some bullets for you, didn't they, Greg? I mean, the thing is, is they, you know, they fought it. You know, they took it to court. And, um, you know, as far as I know, they lost a lot of money trying to battle it. And, you know, in that sort of battle, if it's U2 versus Negative Land, obviously it's going to, one side is going to have a little bit more financial backing. And that's kind of the way the legal system works sometimes. So, um, you know, they did their thing and they're still alive and doing well. And um, they've made an impact on culture. So they they got jacked financially, but in the broad scheme of things, you know, and people like me, they're legends. So, um, you know, maybe it was worth it. Yeah, because I was kind of like, man, Girl Talk is getting away with this. Negative Land never got away with it. I'm so mad at Greg. And then I saw some clips of movies that you had done, and you actually met Negative Land. Negative Land. Yes, yes. In uh, Asheville, North Carolina, um, I met uh, Mark Hostler of Negative Land. And that was exciting, because I had seen them play one time in Pittsburgh. Um, he called you hilarious, too. I know. It's interesting, because, you know, his perspective on it's very exciting. Because sometimes a lot of kids who come out to the shows, 
those, you know, might not know about Negative Land, which isn't a problem, but, you know, as them being one of my primary influences, it's interesting to see what they think about a lot of people being into music that was heavily influenced by his band, but maybe don't know about that. So, um, yeah, it was cool, you know, I was excited he could come out to the show, and he has a relationship with the label that puts out my music and stuff like that, so, um, you know, I feel like he's a historical figure in my world, so it was cool to meet him. So once he gave his approval, that was from Rip, that I saw him in the movie Rip, done by a Canadian. Oh, yes, Brett Gaylor from, uh, he... So it took a Canadian to convince me that Girl Talk was A-OK. Brett Gaylor, I think, might be originally from Vancouver. He's from Galliano Island, which I think is really cool. Where's that at? That's one of the Gulf Islands here, just near Vancouver. Yeah, because yeah, he emailed me the other day, because I think his cousin or something is coming out to the show tonight. Because um, when I met him, he was living in Montreal, but I didn't know he was originally from the area. So he was a nice Canadian, but some Canadians have been mean to you, haven't they, Greg? <laughs> Which ones? Well, aside from the blood last night. Uh, yeah, I mean, that wasn't mean, though. Uh, that was just, you know, enthusiastic in an alternative sort of way. The guess who? They have not been mean. I've met... Um, because there was a quote, and I say quote, that they were going to chase you down, unquote, for you sampling them. Right. I have to say, I met um, in a show maybe in Edmonton, um, maybe in Calgary. I can't remember. A couple years back, I met... Um, one of the members' daughter, um, it was Bachman, his daughter, who Tal Bachman was her brother, who does that She's So Fine song from the 90s. And I met her, and she said she had discussed it with her father before. And it wasn't like, you know, I'm going to want to go on record, I can't quote what he said, but she was a fan. She came out to the show, and, um, you know, I don't know how that discussion went. But I think, you know, sometimes when people, because the guests who have traditionally not license out a lot of samples so you know when they're put in front of a microphone or a camera and said what are you going to do about this um i feel like it's a knee-jerk reaction not saying that they're right or wrong uh just, when the wall street journal asks them right exactly it's like you know when someone asks me about copyright i start talking about copyright so when someone asks them about copyright they start talking about copyright so um you know they haven't done anything mean you know they didn't chase me down or anything like that and uh for that i i thank you uh the guess who that's so great you were able to go on tour and meet up with a guess who daughter you saved the day i know it was cool it was exciting i think it was before i heard that quote um so uh yeah she was she seemed very nice so i hope if anything goes on with her father where um you know he's upset you know maybe she could cool him down a little bit greg girl talk what do you think about google books or the digitizing all the books um I don't know. It's a little intense. You know what I mean? I think there is... Uh, Your buddy Lawrence Lessig. What can you tell people about Lawrence Lessig? He's not down with Google Books. Well, I don't know his stance on Google Books. What He's not down with it. He doesn't like it. Do you know what he dislikes about it, by chance? I don't know exactly. It's so complicated, isn't it? But what can you tell people about Google Books and Lawrence Lessig? Uh, you know, Lawrence Lessig is an American academic. He used to be, work at the Stanford uh, Fair Use Center. And, uh, you know, he's been a guy who's been really pushing for the idea of, you know, kind of changing copyright laws over the years and someone who's been uh, supportive of what I do and uh, kind of the whole creative commons movement, which is, you know, helping to license your music to say it's okay to sample it. Um, but I don't know much about Google Books. I, I know that I would rather look at a piece of paper than a screen on a on an airplane if I was going to be reading. But outside of that... What about the digitization of all these books, right? Yeah, I'm curious, like, where what's wrong about that. Um, you know, I could see aesthetically you not being into it, but I think theoretically, um, you know, I have no issue with that off the top of my head. 88.3. That's an important number, isn't it? 
It, it, it is. It's a very good number. What is 88.3, Greg? 88.3 is WRCT University in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Carnegie Mellon's uh, college radio station. And that's where it all started for you, wasn't it? It did. It was very, very influential. I mean, back uh, in like 94, 95, um, the internet existed, but it was, wasn't you know, it what it wasn't what it is today. You couldn't find about music that easily. So uh, that's where I first heard weird underground music. That's where I first heard Negative Land. Um, that's where I first discovered where you could go see a concert in Pittsburgh that wasn't a big sort of ordeal, more underground sort of culture. So that, um, yeah, that whole summer when I was like in going into maybe ninth grade or so, that just changed my world and you know impacted everything else for the rest of my life. What about? Pittsburgh samples. You're repping Pittsburgh right now, Greg, aren't you? I am. There was a Steelers game today. I wear this shirt every Sunday, just about. What about some Pittsburgh samples? Like, for instance, the Black Lips, they sampled the Swamp Rats, 60s Pittsburgh punkers. Oh, I did not know that. I didn't know that Black Lips sampled. Did they, like, actually use a sampler? They, like, borrow the riff? Or... A drum riff. Drum riff. Hmm, that's cool. I, I sampled... Drum beat. I sampled Donnie Iris, who's from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. A uh, little bit of George Benson, uh, who's from Pittsburgh. Um trying to think there's a pittsburgh um steelers like fight song that i sample like when i play there um i've sampled rusted root before how about the jaggers they call yeah the, the rapper absolutely i don't know how far that because that song's big in pittsburgh you hear it all the time and it was a top 40 song but you know i don't know how much it gets played in vancouver necessarily but i did sample the drums from the jaggers and jagger is a very uh popular slang term in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, it's like for a jagger bush is like a thorn bush, and if you get poked, you can say you got jagged. I got jagged in the head last night, and uh, like jerk off, it's the same thing as jag off, and that kind of goes a lot of places. But jag is like a big word where I come from. I love the jaggers, the rappers. So you will sample them eventually, or you have? Where can we find that sample? Yeah, it's on Feed the Animals. Um, it might be on Wikipedia somewhere. It's super obscure because it's just drums, it's just percussion, and there's always like layers of percussion that sped up, slow down. So. I would even be hard-pressed to hear it. I think, I'm actually off the top of my head, I think it's on the segment of the album that has Chicago with Quad City DJs. I feel like the percussion, the hand claps over that song are from the Jaggers, uh, the rapper. Girl Top, Craig, you have said that you have many, many, many households, like five. Where are these households? I don't have five households. I have one household now. I uh, For a little while, you know, I was moving around where I think right after college, I lived with my parents for a second. I knew people in Cleveland, and then, you know, I had just kind of like... Uh, possessions in multiple households not that I live there but now I'm focused as of last year I uh I've been in the same place for a minute but yeah I've been living in the same home for the past year so I really have one home now but I still get stuff uh mailed to my parents house sometimes because where I'm- were the five places though what were the five addresses can you reel those off <laughs> one the uh, one my previous address was 500 Todd Street in Pittsburgh Pennsylvania apartment 22 um which that apartment's still there I'm, I'm not there though um other than that I don't want to give away my parents address or any relatives or any Anything like that, but um, yeah. If you were like a hardcore girl talk fanatic and you wanted to like see where Night Ripper was made, you could go to 500 Todd Street, Apartment 22. Girl talk, Greg. What can you tell the people about Bad Brilliance? <laughs> oh wow, uh, Bad Brilliance is uh, a project by a guy named Andrew Strasser, and he does all of my album artwork. He went to the Cleveland Institute of Art. And I went to Case Western, which were um, combined campuses. So I met him about nine years ago, and we're really close friends. And uh, at shows, when you see projections and visuals, he does all of those. And like I say, he's done all my alma work. And then Bad Brilliance is his new musical project that's kind of borderline uh, performance art. And um, 
It's focused around him wearing a balloon head, and he makes kind of like hip-hop related music, and he does vocals that are almost, it's not rapping, it's more like, I think he wants to be a professional hype man, but have that be a musical project. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a difficult thing to describe without actually kind of taking it He's in. He's friends with Andrew WK too, isn't he? He helps it with artwork there. Yeah, he. Um, I'm a big fan of Andrew WK, and I know he was for a while. And uh, he just posted photos on Andrew WK. He was for a while? <laughs> no, we were both. No, we still are fans, but like we followed him for a a while before he actually met him but he just posted um, photos that he he's, does a lot of photography he posted photos on Andrew WK's MySpace and um, Andrew WK responded to it and said, just sent him a message and said, I want to meet up with you and collaborate on something. So they met, the legendary tales that they met at uh, McDonald's in Times Square on Friday night on a midnight and uh, that's where they hit it off and then they've become close pals and I think Andrew Strasser did the last album artwork for Andrew WK's new record and uh, yeah they seem to hang out a lot and they do stuff at Santos Party House which is the club that Andrew WK partially owns in uh, New York Greg, girl talk when people are up on stage how do you stop them from breaking stuff? Um, you know, it used to be stuff would be broken. I mean, la I played the Commodore Ballroom last year in July, and um, not necessarily broken, just stuff gets unplugged and um, things get knocked over. But now I have a guy named David Scheid, who's my tour manager, who stands up on the stage with me and kind of protects me a bit. And uh, we just have got it a bit more organized. And stuff still gets broken occasionally, but it's a bit more um, organized. But, you know, it's obviously unpredictable that people... I like to give them that freedom that if someone feels like they need to stop the show, then they should stop the show. You know, hopefully no one comes to that conclusion, but I feel like the power should be in their hands to a certain degree. But how about when you play with other bands, when other bands have their equipment set up behind you? Have you had any situations about that? Yeah, I mean, not in a while, you know, that was, there's was a thing, because, I mean, getting people on stage has always been a thing of mine, but I used to play a lot smaller shows, so it was never a problem. So as they started to get a little bigger, I didn't think it through, but sometimes it would be a problem. So I'm curious what you're thinking about, but off the top of my head... The, the <laughs> what I'm thinking about is you have the drum set set up for the next band that's going after you. You're not the headliner. Your fans come up on stage and trash that drum set. I've never had anyone trash anything, but I have had issues of people being concerned that their stuff would be trash. I played um, a festival in San Francisco called Be the Riot Festival and I played second to last on the main stage and this was like back three years ago and I didn't have as much of a following back then in that area and uh, the Rapture were playing after me and they had all their stuff set up and um, I invited people on stage and nothing got trashed but like people freaked out and they that band, I think their crew didn't know about it or the festival didn't know about it and uh, that show lasted about eight minutes long before they, they kicked me off stage. How about people jumping up on stage and then going backstage because they're on stage and then taking your beer? Uh, that has happened too. I, off the top of my head, the the one I remember the most was Bloomington, Indiana. Um, people jumped on stage and this girl gave me like a little thing of alcohol, like something you would get on an airplane. And it, that's one shot, you know, you don't sip on that. And I drank it, like I drank the whole thing because that's what you do with those. And she got really offended that I drank the entire thing. And it was kind of like right in the middle of the show and I was just like, look, if you're really that offended, my backstage is right there. Just go grab a drink. There's like a bottle of alcohol sitting on the table. And she went back there, and there was a full bottle of Jack Daniels. And uh, when I came after the show, that was a show that was ended prematurely. And when I walked off stage, they actually refused to pay me that night for whatever reason because, like, it got out of control. And um, 
that half of the bottle was drank and there was actually vomit all over my bag like my clothing she drank like half a bottle of Jack Daniels and puked all over my stuff and then circa like 30 minutes later we actually shared a cab together to go to a party and I mean I thought it was horrible that she puked on my stuff but simultaneously like she had enough courage to just face me and ride with me in a cab so I kind of couldn't hate on that so we uh yeah we took the cab together to this event that's pretty amazing you directed her backstage but what about people finding their way backstage like hey I'm on stage with girl talk oh let's just go backstage and party right. screw girl talk right yeah I don't promote that because you know sometimes it's um you know when you're on the road if you're in a van or you're flying around sometimes all of your possessions are back there so that can be a really annoying things um but yeah ideally we tell the venue we have someone stand there have no one steal my stuff from my passport or whatever so um yeah that's not um something i look forward to sometimes it's nice to have some people backstage and hang out but um yeah when you're playing a show i feel like that backstage is your apartment for that night that's where you live so it's kind of annoying when people uh break and enter into your apartment have there ever been more people on stage than there were in the audience Yes, uh, I played a show for Hugh Hefner's son's birthday party, Marston Hefner, who turned 18 uh, last year, with Dan Deacon in L.A. at the Echoplex, and uh, there was like 50 people there, and it's in a venue that could, it was a private party, it was just 50 of his best friends, and it was in a venue that uh, could fit about like seven, 800 people, and uh, Dan Deacon, like he always does, played on the ground, and people kind of gathered around him, and I got on stage, and they had seen shows of mine, and Everyone got on stage, um, except for maybe, I think my booking agent was there, and he was watching from the crowd. But literally, 99% of the crowd was just on stage with me, and like we weren't even really using the PA system in the house. We were just like using the, the monitors, and that was like the show. Have people ever got mad that perhaps they can't see you and want their money back? Um, sure, you know what I mean? I think it, you know, it is electronic performance, so it's something that naturally some people... It's non-traditional, so if someone has an issue with it, it makes sense to me. You know, It's kind of like going to see any electronic performer. You might like how they do it or not like how they do it. I have never heard of anyone wanting their money back. Because um, yeah, they can't see you. Right, right. no, and I, you know, I try to stay on the stage and I try to push my table as close to the front as possible. So, because I like to be able to interact with the crowd, you know, I don't want it just to be caught in the middle. So, um, yeah, make a point to try to keep people out. We try to create a little half moon where I'm, I'm kind of in the center and I could still uh, participate with the crowd. But, um, yeah, I want to see everyone. So, uh, hopefully no one wants their money back. Now, when the people have sex, I didn't say if they have sex, when they have sex, where do they have sex, and could you get blamed for it? Um, I think I could potentially be blamed for it. I think the first time I heard of it happening was at the um, Starlight Ballroom in Philadelphia, and uh, uh, this was like two years ago. This was on a tour I was doing with Dan Deacon, and, and that tour, I had inflatables on stage every night, like big inflatables that we would blow up, and there, that show, someone had sex like behind an inflatable. They kind of like took that as their little zone their kind of like make out area and then I heard it went down at a show at Miami University in Florida too but I didn't see that so I don't know where that happened I think typically when people have sex I would imagine it's behind an inflatable if, if that's available but that's kind of scary like they're having sex behind inflatable you don't even get to see it and yet you're the one that will get charged right right I mean it's you know that's just the name of the game you know it's kind of like uh, you know if you're slayer you don't get to necessarily examine all aspects of the mosh pit but you are the one you know creating the environment for that to happen so um you know, it'd be nice to be able to see what's going down, but, you know, half the time I'm blind to the majority of the show that's happening. Now, speaking of sex and stuff, Pat Bruyans and Andrew WK have worked with Sasha Gray. Yeah, she was on um, the Andrew WK mixtape, the Damn the Mixtape. Um, I don't know what she did on it, um, maybe music. Um, 
Uh, she at the Playboy party? Uh, she was not. That was when that show happened. Um, we expected maybe Playmates or maybe Hefner, Hugh Hefner there, um, but that was like all. Marston Hefner and his friends. So I was kind of impressed that he. I don't think he wanted to ride, you know, his his father's fame or like. I'm sure he could go to the mansion whenever he wants. So it was a very like alternative anti Playboy seeming party. Uh, but yeah, Sasha Gray. I guess she. I think she did vocals on that album, um, which I've heard the album. I just can't recall exactly what she did. It was damn the mixtape. She did like backup vocals. Did you get to go back to the Playboy Mansion at all, though, Greg? No, no. And I uh, I've just been getting into Entourage, the TV show recently, and there was an episode where they. I just am catching up and they went to the Playboy Mansion and it got me um, a little bummed out that I feel like that was my shot. You know, I, I was hanging out with Hefner's son and it didn't go down, so I feel like, you know, it might not ever happen for me. I think it's great that Enemy called you the greenest artist on earth. <laughs> yeah, I mean... You recycle, Babu! <laughs> boom, yeah. Um, they probably missed the shows with the toilet paper and stuff like that. So that's, that's maybe... That's the balance. You know, I recycle the music, but, you know, waste a, a little bit of confetti at the performances. Now, what could top the toilet paper? If toilet paper is doing it, what are you going to do after the toilet paper gag runs out? I don't know. It's tough. You know, I, we're trying to evolve. Uh, last night, um, the people who work on stage... Um, their names are Chris and Two, and uh, they kind of develop all the props. So they've been doing new things. We have this new tube that they blow air into it and, it, and it like snakes over the crowd and blows confetti. So that's like a relatively new one. And uh, so they keep kind of evolving. You know, I feel like the toilet paper is our most primitive prop at this point. You know, I feel like they're kind of pushing it in other directions. Uh, two is from the show Food Party, which is on IFC right now. And she, uh, if you check out that show, there's a lot of great kind of prop work on there as well. Greg, what type of computer did you have in the year 2000, and was it fast enough? Oh, I'm trying to think. It was a compact. It was My parents helped me buy it. It was mainly to go to college, because when you go to Case Western, um, they tried to convince you that you needed a computer, which I don't think is actually true. But uh, it was a compact, and I uh, it was fast enough. But I remember the first time I went on tour, which was with the Circuits of Steel Tour, a bunch of Pittsburgh artists, a compilation curated by Manny Thiner. Um, the first show in Baltimore, I was just like, just like out of my mind, riding a high, playing in front of ten people, and I was like throwing water over, and it just completely uh, fried the computer, and I had to like operate on a computer for the rest of the tour. That none of the keys worked or anything like that. So now you wrap it in Saran wrap. Absolutely, absolutely. The uh, the computer condom. You're into the PC, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, just because that's what I got into uh, back when I got when my parents helped buy me a computer right, engineering exactly so I kind of found software that worked for me and I liked it and uh yeah, I'm not a guy who really looks into new stuff. But that's a good position to be in, because that means Mac might bribe you. Has Mac tried to bribe you at all, Girl Talk? No, not yet, not yet. I uh, I wish I could get more free PC stuff, you know. I, I wish they would send me some computers and stuff like that. Um, I, uh, yeah, I haven't gotten any bribes, unfortunately. I mean, I would, I would take them in a heartbeat, so whoever wants to throw me some money to have their computers sitting on stage can do that. Girl Talk, Greg, what's the longest session you've had at a laptop? Like, for instance, Supernatural is an MC. He did an MC freestyle for nine hours, a world record. Wow. Now, I was wondering, what would be the equivalent of you doing the mix-in? Um... You know, because when I'm at home, it's weird because it's like, you know, I might cut up a little new shoes or cut up Guess Who and then spend 15 minutes on Facebook, do a little Google search for, you know, my cousin's name or something. You know what I mean? So it's it's a, it's a little bit drawn out, but I have definitely have been up for, uh, you know... 24 hours mainly in front of the computer but I don't I feel like most people have just not necessarily doing uh, music so I yeah I think going steady is more like I think you know 
I'm more like it's not about a specific duration without breaks. It's more like I didn't leave my house for a week or something like that. So I'd say, I'd say a week is the longest time I really like haven't done anything other than make music. What about the carpal tunnel syndrome? Uh, I've been cool. I, I actually like I. Uh, does that come from typing or mouse work? Or the mousey. Mousey, because I do do a lot of mouse. But yeah, I I, uh, I think I vary it up a little bit. I don't mind using the uh, the trackpad. So I think you know if you get a little combination of both, then uh, you know you'll probably be pretty healthy with your hands. You played as Girl Talk. Do you ever play just as Greg? Uh, no, I, I would like to maybe even evolve into that eventually. Like in like 20 years, just be great. Because it gets me really excited sometimes at shows. People will chant Girl Talk for friends, and sometimes they'll just chant Greg. And I like that. You know, I think that's cool that it could like, uh, that the project could evolve into a new character that would just be me as a human being. So Girl Talk played the Ottawa... Blues Fest. And you played the Montreal... Jazz Fest. Now, is that sort of confusing for some people organizing those things? Girl Talk playing a Jazz Fest? Girl Talk playing a Blues Fest? I think it is. It's like, I, uh, I'm i curious about the rest of the lineup, because I remember it... Um, I don't know where those names come from. Like, maybe they are Jazz Fest 50 years ago, and then they kind of stick with the name, but maybe keep the music evolving. So I... Uh, you know, I play a lot of shows where I feel like I'm not necessarily doing the appropriate... You're probably the only laptop ever to play those festivals, right? Which gets me excited. You know, I play a lot of rock and roll festivals where I might be the only guy with a laptop or play a lot of shows where I'm the only guy with a laptop. So um, I uh, yeah, I like that. What sort of reaction do you get from the sound technicians when you show up for the jazz fest or the blues fest with your laptop? It's uh, It can go either way. Cause I like the way I use sound technicians. How was that? It was very professional. Uh, you know, sometimes the sound technicians... Um, are very happy that they have little work to do and they're excited to meet you and get it over with other times they kind of feel like it's you know the anti-music and uh, are disgusted by the fact that you're using a computer and might give you a lot of attitude so it can go either way there um i think at the jazz fest i don't remember any major issues what I really like about Girl Talk is it's so free. Like, you're just up there playing, and you jump in the audience. You kind of do whatever you want. Yeah, I try to have some freedom. I, uh, same thing with your music, too. Yeah. I, people can get it for free. Absolutely. And also, you can set variables that are really interesting that no other artist would do. Like, for instance, is it true you said to MTV, my album's going to come out on Thursday? <laughs> and you made it come out on Thursday because they asked you when the album should come out because you, you gave them that opportunity. It is true. I mean, it was, um, you know, it wasn't... Just to put it in perspective, is something where it was. I was working on it for two years and it was done, so it was just a matter of kind of. Um, I feel like it's that new age. It's very exciting just to be able to say, oh, I'm going to do it tomorrow. And when it was Thursday, um, it was exciting. I couldn't go to bed that night and I put it on the internet, and then you wake up and everyone's talking to you about it, and uh, you know, you can kind of make up the rules as you go. But some bands, you know, and other people spend years and years planning the actual date. And it was great that, like, in an interview, the interviewer was given the opportunity to pick the release date. Right. I think, you know, nowadays, um, you know, there used to be a mentality of leading up to a release and you want to get press going before the album comes out. And I guess that price still exists. That's probably still how publicists do it. But um, I don't know if it makes sense anymore. You know, once it's done, why don't... Why doesn't everyone hear it right then? What, what's you know? I don't really understand necessarily holding it back. I guess there's a system, and you're supposed to read reviews before you buy it, or supposed to see the video before this or that. But I feel like all those rules are kind of breaking down right now. Just wondering, how much money did you make actually from the suggested download? What did it end up being? The suggested download price? What was the actual price that it averaged out to? Um, I don't know. Average. You know, most people take it for free, so it's probably low. But I did get a couple people who paid a hundred dollars. So I don't know the average, but um. You know, so many people take it for free, it'd probably be like, you know, a 
50 cents or something like that. But a good number of people do pay. And I think when you do the suggested price, a lot of people download for free who wouldn't even want to hear it otherwise. They just want to check it out or whatever. So it's, it's difficult to, um, you know, compare that to a normal pricing scheme in a store or anything like that. Craig, Girl Talk, is it hard to remix a remix? Um, I like that. You know, some certain things have been remixed so many times. There are certain elements on the album that I just almost to the point of being cliche of using certain samples in certain ways. So um, I feel like everything's a remix of a remix. And I, uh, yeah, I, uh, I, during the shows, I always remix my album. So I'm kind of constantly remixing the remix, um, which can sometimes be more difficult than actually doing the original remix. Sometimes the remix of the remix is a bit more involved, but uh, it's doable. Because you don't really need to master tapes then, do you? You don't need to master tapes to do the remix. No, you can kind of do it with whatever you want, you know what I mean? You can sing over your boombox or you can, uh, you know... Have you been given the master tapes at all? Um, I mean, just for some remixes I've been solicited for, but now they're popping out on the internet a lot. If you kind of follow this community of remixers, and a lot of people are doing it now... um, everything is leaking like people get their hands on stuff and you see nirvana you know masters and the full uh david lee roth the david lee roth could run in with the devil vocal track all that stuff which i can tell to be about that vocal track that's incredible isn't it yes i think that was very exciting to see that how that impacted the world because people were so excited to hear that and it was funny that that caught on because i've always loved that like i have some acapellas of like you know nirvana or queen or something like that and they're very exciting to listen to on their own but the running with the devil one was just you know it's out of control Um, It's inspirational how much spirit there was behind that particular vocal take. It's great, Greg. Also, you support Chicago from Chicago. Absolutely. Yeah, they had me on. You've been on twice. Yeah, a while back. Because they, they, uh, they'll, they'll put on a lot of, you know, anything across the map. The first time was like 2004. And I don't even know how that got hooked up. I heard about it for a while. Uh, but they were very cool, very nice. And I uh, I thought it'd be silly to try to perform on it. And back then, I used to have a little bit of a synchronized dance team occasionally with me. So we got on there and did a synchronized dance routine, which I haven't really seen on the Internet or anything. I don't know. Maybe that'll pop up some day. I think it's a great show because they have bands lip sync anyways. They don't care about doing it live. Right, exactly. No, it's very fun. I'm trying to think who else played. Oh, I, Oneida was on um, during, because they do a few tapings in one. So I saw Oneida. Um, there's a band, the Baseball Furies, um, named after the, the Warriors thing. Um, but yeah, it was a cool thing just to watch. It's bands get to get in their, like, uh, sort of, like, uh, like fake TV mode. You know, you don't normally get to do that, but you can really ham it up and enjoy yourself. Like you did some dancing. Is there a dance routine now for Girl Talk that you can give us? Um, you know, there's no routine. Um, what is the Girl Talk dance? Is there one now? Actually, it evolves, you know what I mean? There, the, my signature dance, I mean, this is going to be subtle, but I do a right leg bob. This this moves like this for the duration of the show, and it picks up as it picks up pacing. And then uh, I've also kind of I've tried to get very uh, straightforward, and I'm into just claps these days is my thing. I just like clapping along as straight as possible. Um, Can you do a speed up version for us? That's kind of... It's a leg! (laughs) It's subtle, you know? (sighs) That's it. Just wondering here, lastly, Greg, Girl Talk, here we are in Vancouver. I gotta ask you, Pittsburgh Steelers, the Vancouver Connections I was mentioning to you. We had that fellow Mitch Berger from Vancouver play with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Do you remember him at all? I know the name, you know, I, I couldn't tell what he looked like, um, but like you're saying, the other player... Um, Stefan Logan. Logan is very exciting, you know, I, I feel like uh, punt returning is something we needed this year, and uh, he was great in the preseason, and it's actually, punt returning to me can be the, one of the most exciting parts of, uh, you know, American football, and uh, 
Yeah, he just lights it up. He's a quick, quick dude. What would it take for you to throw out the first football or throw out the first pitch? Have you been offered anything like that? No, because I, I, uh, I get a you know decent amount of press in Pittsburgh, and people know him from there, and I've represented the city for a while, but I've never gotten that offer. Um, first pitch would be insane. Maybe this will plant the seed for that to happen right now. Like, do any professional players listen to you? Listen to you, you know, to pump themselves up? I don't know. I would hope so. I've always wanted to like push my uh, my discs on like the Steelers locker room, sneak my way in there, or something like that. Um, I don't know of any professional athlete fans, as you know, as far as far as I know. But you know, maybe they're out there somewhere. Great girl talk. Anything else you want to add to the people out there at all? Uh, no, it's just nice to be back in Vancouver, and I hope I uh, don't get hit in the head with a cup tonight. Well, thanks much, Girl Talk. Keep on rocking in the free world, and do do the loot do do do. Still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there the Jaggers from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, with The Rapper, as sampled by Girl Talk, and before The Rapper by the Jaggers, an interview with 
Girl Talk. Coming up right now is Here's the Thing by Girl Talk from his most recent release, Feed the Animals. And if you listen closely, between 15 seconds and 36 seconds, you will be able to hear a sample of the Jaggers the rapper. Yes, it's all laid out in Wikipedia if you want to look it out. That's track 12, Feed the Animals. Here's the thing between 15 and 36, the Jaggers sample by Girl Talk. And that's what we're going to play right now on a Nerdwar, the human serviette radio show, CITR, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada.
play your part. My bitch a choosing lover, never fuck without a rubber. Never in the sheets like it on top of the cover. Money on the dresser, drive a compressor. Top notch hoes get the most, not the lesser. Trash like the fuck for forty dollars in the club. Fucking up the game, bitch, it gets no love. She be cross country, giving all that she got.
Shorty get down, good lord Baby got him open all over town Strictly cause you don't play around Cover much ground, got game by the pound Getting paid is a forte, each and every day True play away, I can't get her out of my mind Think about the girl all the time to the west side, pushing fat rides, it's no surprise, she got tricks in the stash, stacking up the cash, fast when it comes to the gas, by no means average, she's on when she's got to have it, baby you're a perfect 10, I wanna get in, can I get down so I can, I like the way you work it, no diggity, I got to bag it up, bag it up, I like the way you work it. No diggity. No diggity. I got to bag it up. Bag it up, girl. I like the way you work it. No diggity. I got to bag it up. Bag it up. I like the way you work it. No diggity. I got to bag it up. I'm still here They said I could've been brain dead in the wheelchair But I'm standing in the booth and the skills are still here Yeah, the hustler home, the hustler home Let's celebrate a toast with a cup of Patron I got my drink in my two-step Ever made the stash okay. The rock boys in the building 
niggas with bad aims. Thanks to a little change, I tore you off the chain. Bullet wounds to stop your buffoonery. Thanks to the pastor rapping at your eulogy. The little Kim and them, you know the women friend who carry the word cross state for a gentleman. Yeah, thanks to all the hustlers, and most importantly, you, the customer. Rock boys in the building tonight. Oh, what a feeling I'm feeling like. The following is a live presentation of CITR.